All right. Well, we're going to jump into the book of Colossians again. I I preached a few messages out of Colossians um, late last year, and and I've just felt like the Lord say, "Go back to this for this weekend." Our theme is eyes on Jesus. Our theme is abiding in Jesus, and. And that's what the book of Colossians is all about. <laughs> Set your eyes on him. Understand who he is. Understand who you are in him. And then seek those things that are above where you are seated with him in the heavenly places. Seek after those things and set your heart on those things. Know who you are. Know who he is. And then do the things he's commanded us to do. So we're going we're gonna to camp out in chapter 3, but I just want to lay just a little bit of groundwork in chapter 2. We're going to start in chapter 2, verse 6. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So everyone in this room is most likely, and if you haven't, please Talk to Mike or I or one of the pastors and, and give your life to Christ this morning. But everyone in this room, if you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, there's a response. There's a walk in him. There's a live in him according to his rules, according to his voice, according to his word, according to his ways. He is the Lord. He is Yahweh incarnate. He is the image of the invisible God. This is whom you have received. And how have you received him? You received him by faith. I've been praying about faith this week, and and the Lord's just giving me this phrase. It's believing loyalty to me, Marcus. (laughs) You believe in me, and you remain loyal to me, Above all things, above any person, you're loyal to me. Above any other voice, you're loyal to my voice. Above above any other rule, you're loyal to my word. I've just been praying, Lord, increase believing loyalty in my heart and grateful that I have received Christ by faith. Back up just to... Verse 15, we hit these verses a few months ago. This is who you, who you have received. He is the image of the invisible God. That means God was made visible and is made visible in Christ. He's the fullness of God. There isn't anything that isn't God that doesn't dwell inside of Jesus. All of God dwells inside of him. And what we're going to get to see in verse 9, we won't go there yet, but just telegraph where we're going. All the fullness dwells inside of him forever, but now it's in bodily form. Jesus has eternal glory forever, and Jesus has an eternal body forever, and in this way, 
He was made like you and I, and you will be made like him in his glorious resurrected body forever. You're going to bear his image forever so that he can be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. Amen? Romans 8. That's where this whole thing is going. But you received the image of the invisible God. You received the one who is the firstborn of all creation. He has the highest status of all creation. He is preeminent, supreme, reigning over all. That's good news, isn't it? I was reminding myself of the Great Commission, and I, I went right to go therefore and make disciples. And, I, and the Lord stopped me, and he goes, Marcus, that's not where the Great Commission starts. The Great Commission backs up. It doesn't start at verse 19. It starts at verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. When we have revelation of that, when we have an encounter with that, when we have believing loyalty to that truth, it's much easier to go. This afternoon, it's much easier to walk downtown and to share the love of Jesus knowing that he has all authority in every place on the earth that you set your feet. He's disarmed demonic principalities. He's disarmed disloyal angels. He's disarmed powers. The elemental spirits of the world, he, he shamed them at the cross. And now, he says, all authority has been given to me, and I extend that authority to my body. The status that I have as son of God, I invite you in and I say, rule and reign and have this same authority with me. Wow, we just jumped way farther than I wanted to go early on in this thing, but it's good. He is the firstborn of all creation. By him, all things were created. I love how Paul goes on here. He goes, in heaven and on earth, anything in heaven. He created it. Anything on earth, he created. Whether we can see it, it's visible, he created it. Or the invisible things that we can't see until the ages transition, he created those things as well. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, and I love this, for him. At the end, everything that he made will bring him glory. Every knee will bow. And that is in heaven, and that is on earth. Every tongue will bring him glory. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. How many of you have prayed that prayer over your life? Lord, just hold this thing together. <laughs> just hold this family together. That's a good prayer to pray. Because he has the power. Everything in him, he holds it together. Hebrews 1 says, the entire universe is being held together by his spoken word. Wow. 
He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have preeminence. So back to verse 6. That's who we have received. That's who I have received as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So let's live in him. Let's walk in him. Now, Paul is about to ask the Colossians to do some hard things. And he wants to remind them, you've received Christ. He is your Lord. You've died to yourself. You've put yourself on that cross. You've been buried with him in his death. And you've been raised with him in his resurrection. He is whom you have received. So now, do the hard work of walking in him. Do the hard work of putting things to death in your flesh and put things on that are your new self being renewed in the image of your creator. So he's like setting this ground like you've received him. Remember, we had this conversation. You came to the altar. I don't know how it worked in Colossae, but. And verse 7. And as as you've received him, You're rooted in him. This is another way to say you have been grafted into the true vine and you are connected to Jesus. By his spirit, you are connected to the Son of God. And let's just say, by the mercy of our Father. Amen? He didn't spare his only Son. He gave him for us. And he's going to graciously, with Christ, also give us all things. Did you know that the meek really will inherit the earth? The earth is going to be given to a people. And that people that the earth is going to be given to are those people that are connected to Christ, that are rooted in Christ. But this isn't a one-time thing. This rooting is also a being built up. Actually, in the Greek, root is a past tense, but built up is a present progressive. It's you were rooted in him, you are rooted in him, but you are being built up. It's the idea of a a seed getting planted into the ground. It's not over. It gets water, it gets the sun, and it begins to grow, and it begins to mature. That's the process that we're in right now. We are being built up. We are being established in, what does it say? In faith, yes. We are abounding in thanksgiving. This is the, the, the life of a disciple, right? We don't stay stagnant. We ever increase as his glory ever increases. We gaze upon him. It says in 2 Corinthians 3, we're going to get there a little bit later, and it says, we are transformed from what? Glory to glory. And the idea is that it, that keeps happening. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 that though his outer man, though his body is wasting away, what's happening on the inside of him? His inner man is being what? Renewed day by day. The same idea, from glory to glory, day by day. So we're being built up in him, 
And I love this next verse, verse 8. So see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Guys, in our generation, we have to be on guard with this. Mike mentioned the verse, if your eye is good, your whole body will be filled with light. If your devotions are singular on Jesus, you will be filled with light. What the enemy wants is to capture you with philosophy of this world, to capture you with deceit. When Jesus was talking about the end times in Matthew 24, the first thing he says is, do not be deceived. This is not a passive thing. We have to actively, actively war against deception. It is what I just heard on the news. Is that according to Christ? It's what my daughter or son just said to me. Is that according to Christ? It's what my friends are telling me. Is that according to Christ? Guys, and there is a demonic influence to get us off course. The enemy wants us distracted. The enemy wants us depressed. The enemy wants us disillusioned. The enemy wants us caught in darkness. The enemy, he just does not want you to be being built up, to be being established in faith, to be being abounding in thanksgiving. He does not want you to continue your abiding in Christ. But praise God, Jesus has given us the victory. By the power of the Holy Spirit standing in faith on Christ, we can silence those voices. We silence them in prayer. We renew our mind in the Word. Back up to, um, I love how he says this, kind of in, in, in a similar way. Let's look at um, verse 21, 121. Let's go to chapter 1, verse 21. He says, you were once alienated and hostile in your mind. You were insubordinate to God. <laughs> That's what Romans 8 says. It says the, the flesh, it's insubordinate. It doesn't want to submit to God. You were doing evil deeds, verse two, 22, but now he is reconciled in the body of but, uh, but he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. Then verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith. Those things that we were talking about in 2.8, the philosophy, the empty deceit, the human tradition, the elemental spirits of the world, they're trying to get you not to continue in faith, not to be stable, not to be steadfast. They want you to shift from the hope of the gospel. And Paul is saying, you have been washed. You are blameless. You have a good inheritance. But that if is very important. If you continue believing, and remain loyal to, loyal to Jesus. 
if you keep your eyes fixed on him, if you keep your heart set on him, you will have a wonderful inheritance in the age to come. And you will be useful in this life for his glory and for his renown now. Lord, I want my inheritance. God, and I want to be useful now, a useful instrument in your kingdom to bring you glory. I pray that often in my life. Lord, continue to mold me. Continue to shape me. Why? I want to be a useful tool in your hand. I want to be that that masterpiece that's created for good works to bring you glory. Lord, sharpen me. Lord, renew my mind. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, let me push back fear and unbelief. Press in for faith. Let me walk in the victory you have given me. I'm beating a dead horse here, but I need to get a drink of water if you guys don't mind. <laughs> okay. Verse 9. 2 9. So we're seeing to it that no one takes us captive because we are Christ's. Verse 9. And for in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That just blows my mind. In Christ's person, the whole fullness of God, who he is, dwells in a body. And it's, it's permanent. And it's the body that you will receive when he returns to claim you as his own. It's beautiful. There's no other chapter in the Bible that goes into greater depths about that resurrected body than 1 Corinthians 15. Just go there and let your jaw just drop. And you go, what? What's sown in dishonor is going to be raised in glory? That same glory? That, yes, that same glory. What's sown in weakness is going to be raised in power. Have you ever been with a person as, as they're dying? It's sown in weakness. But when we are connected to Christ, we will be raised with power. Praise God. Amen? So he has an eternal body. Verse 10. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Paul cannot get away from this. He wants the Colossians to know you are in him and he is above all. I I like the other translations. Some other translations say you have been completed in him. When you see a person without Christ, they're not whole yet. They're not complete. They're not who God has made them to be. When we find Christ, when we receive Christ by faith, we're completed. We're made whole. There's reconciliation. That's what that word means. It's a bringing back together of God's original plan to be joined to us, to to walk with us, to fill the earth with his glory through us. And He's above all head, 
all rule. He's the head of all rule and all authority. Verse 11. And in him, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. That's talking about the circumcision of the heart. Ezekiel 36 speaks to this so clearly that by Christ and through his spirit, he takes out of us a heart of stone. Stone can't feel anything. Stone can't respond to anything. Stone can't hear anything. And he gives us a heart of flesh that can feel, that can respond, that can embrace God. Back to chapter 1, I mean, you used to be dead to God. You couldn't be influenced by God. You couldn't feel God. You couldn't hear God's voice. But then the Holy Spirit opened your eyes to the glory of Jesus. You put your faith in Him, and now you have the gift of walking before God with a tender heart. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not rob yourself of that tenderness. Be sensitive to what the Spirit is sensitive to. There will be times in, in my life and in my walk where just the weight of the world and, and, and I haven't been praying and I haven't been in the Word and I just feel my, my heart desensitizing to the Spirit and I go, ah, <laughs> wake up! And I got to set things aside in my schedule and I got to get up in the morning and I got to be disciplined but I want to put my cold heart before that flame and then let it melt. Amen? That's why worship is so important, guys. That's why the Word is so important. That's why prayer is so important. It keeps our hearts sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We've been circumcised by the circumcision of Christ. That putting off of the body of the flesh, that's when you repented before God. And he said, oh, I got a repentant one. I'm going to make their heart soft and tender before me. I'm going to cut away the dead things on their heart and allow them to feel me and to hear my voice. Guys, that is a gift. I was, I was, I had the sweetest time of prayer last night. And I don't say that to like um, boast or anything, but I just had about two more hours that I, that I had to prepare you know, for the sermon, and I just felt like the Lord say, put down your notes, just give this two hours to prayer. Five minutes in, not that much. Ten minutes in, not that much. Fifteen minutes in, oh, here we go. Twenty minutes in, what? And by thirty minutes, I was a, I didn't want to, I just, it was embarrassing, you know? I just, tears, and, and my heart was tender before God, and I, I was just thanking him, God, thank you. <laughs> You're so faithful to respond to your saints in the place of prayer. The Lord led me. I prayed through Romans chapter 8. By goodness, pray through Romans chapter 8. Just start at verse 1 and go to verse 50-something. It takes you a while, but just pray through that chapter. It is It is powerful. We're going to get into some of those things. And I would just read a verse and just let my heart 
just respond to God with thanksgiving and just see the way the Spirit directed me in prayer. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you for a tender heart. I just want to pray that over us just before we move on. Lord, thank you that in you our hearts were circumcised by Christ, that, that the dead things were cut off, that the heart of stone was taken out of us, and in you we've been given a heart of flesh, and you have put your spirit within us. God, we cry out that we would be people of tender hearts before Jesus. Lord, we ask that we would not be deceived by any empty deceit, human tradition, spiritual influence. Lord, keep us tender. Lord, keep us leaning. Lord, keep us having a heart after your own heart. I just pray, Lord, for all of us, that that gift of a tender heart. We ask you, Lord, for that Luke 24 experience that when we are praying and we, we are in the word, when we are communing with you, when we are even talking to others about you, our hearts would burn within us. Lord, give us the gift of burning hearts. However you do that, you know how to do that, Holy Spirit, but we ask you for that gift, the gift of burning hearts in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we were circumcised in him. Verse 12, we repented, we put off the body of flesh, and we've been buried with him in baptism, (laughs) in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Romans 6 tells us that because of our union with Christ, he died to sin, And we have also died to sin. And then it says, and he was raised, Jesus was, to live for God. And in him, you were raised to live for God. Someone told me to do something in my early Christian walk, and I just, I love doing it. I love love looking in the mirror at the beginning of the day. I whisper it, you know, so my children don't think I'm weird or my wife doesn't wake up, you know. But I whisper, you are dead to sin and you are alive to God. I just know there's just something powerful about it. Just to start your day by declaring, I am dead to sin. I don't want to pursue it. I don't want it at all. I'm dead to it. And I'm alive to my Savior. I'm alive to to my leader. I'm alive to my shepherd. I'm alive, you know, I'm alive to God. I'm going to hear from God today. I'm going to meditate on God today. I'm going to be God's mouthpiece today. I'm alive to him. Just pray through Romans 6. It's one of the best chapters for this truth that we have been buried with him in baptism and we have been raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And then verse 13, 14, and 15 just are, these are mind-blowing realities for me. And you, this is verse 13, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, back into that you were dead to God, you couldn't feel God. You have been made alive together with him, having forgiven 
us all our trespasses. I love how Paul throws himself in there. He's like talking to Gentiles. You were dead in your trespasses. You were of the uncircumcision of your flesh. Then he throws himself. The pronouns change. But God made, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. Paul's like, I'm in this with you. My trespasses, my sins, my rebellion against God has been forgiven. Everyone say amen. This is why we extend forgiveness to others. I guarantee you, when you find a person that can forgive easily and quickly and not get bitter of heart, they are connected by how much they have been forgiven. They know he's forgiven me a multitude of sins and he keeps forgiving me. Amen? No one's perfect. We all need to run back and ask for forgiveness to one another, to God, confessing our sins to one another, as Mike was talking about last week. But he has forgiven us all of our trespasses. Guys, if you need forgiveness this morning, ask God to forgive you. Amen? Don't, I'll just say this. I feel like there, there's, in this season, and we were talking about it kind of the last three weeks, and Mike, Mike preached on it last week, that, that the voice of the accuser is like, almost like turned up for some reason in the church, in our culture. Guys, who can condemn you? Who can speak a word against you? God has justified you. Who can condemn you? Christ has died for you. Christ was raised. Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, and Christ is interceding for you. Those two realities that we have been just, and I was quoting Romans 8 because it's fresh in my mind because I was praying it last night. Those realities, when we hear the voice of the accuser, we need to declare and understand we have been justified by the blood of Christ. And when we hear that voice of condemnation, we need to run to the reality that Christ has died Christ has been raised, Christ is seated at the right hand, and Christ is praying for you. Wow. And I just, I, I, I feel that, that we need to be aware, one, now, I say one, but, well, no, I won't say that. <laughs> I'm caught in my mind right here. Which way do I go? All right. I want to say, sometimes people say, man, I'm just being accused by the enemy, and you're actually being convicted by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but just ask God which one it is, because I don't know sometimes, right? I'm like, this, whose voice is this, Lord, <laughs> you know? But he'll quickly, like, quicken in my spirit, that's accusation from the enemy. Okay, God has justified me. I can be free from that. And he'll quickly convict me. Marcus, that, that's my voice. You're feeling my spirit. Don't grieve my Holy Spirit. Repent. Ah, that's repentance, okay? But talk to the Holy Spirit. And if it's the voice of the accuser, rebuke him. <laughs> he must flee from you. 
You were submitted to God. Your head, the head of the body that you are, has all rule and authority. And when you tell the voice of the accuser to go, it will go. Amen? So run back, ask for forgiveness, rebuke the voice of the accuser, and jump into the faith with all your heart. Run the race to win the prize. Amen? Amen. Okay. Verse 14. This is how he has made you alive. He's forgiven you your trespasses, and he's canceled the record of debt that stood against you with its legal demands. What the enemy had before you came into Christ is he had the record of debt that he could accuse you before the judge. Look what they've done here. Look what they've done there. Look what they've done here. Look what they've done there. And that accusation was real. When you submitted your life to Christ, when you were forgiven in Christ, those books were wiped clean. Those debts were erased. Those bills, have you ever been forgiven like a bill that you owed? And you're just like, what? I don't have to pay that anymore? What? Early on in our marriage, uh, I got hit with meningitis, and it was, it was a bad deal. And, and I was in the hospital for three days, and, and, uh, and we didn't have the money to pay for it. And, it, and I walked out of the hospital with, it was like $25,000 worth of debt. And, and first time I had experienced debt. And, uh, but praise God, I went to a Christian hospital in Dallas, Texas. It was a, and when they heard that I was a, a missionary, they forgave all of my debt. Isn't that crazy? Now, I was on my knees asking God for that. I'm like, Lord, help. But I remember that experience, like just having, oh, no, I owe a bunch of money, and having it just wiped away. That's what God has done for you. The parable of the man who, the, the unforgiving servant, when he was forgiven this astronomical amount of money that he owed, and the master said, you're forgiven. And then he turns to his servants that owed him just a little bit, and he demanded it from them and wouldn't forgive them. Read the end of that parable, just in talking about forgiveness. You want to get forgiveness right. Because the end of that parable, <laughs> is that the one where he says, like, cut him up? No, he throw him, throw him into outer darkness. You're going to be tortured. <laughs> Just read the parable. It means what it says. Forgive others around you. Amen? But when we have been forgiven, our debt has been canceled. This, this is real in the heavenly courts. Many times the Bible talks about books are being written. God is observing everything in everyone's life. And everyone will give an account for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Nothing will be hidden. What was whispered in the bedroom will be shouted from the rooftop. Guys, but in Christ, it's canceled. In Christ, it's removed. That's, a good, that's good news. 
Because you will stand before Jesus with sin that has been forgiven and washed by his blood. And he will accept you and bring you into eternal life for you to rule and reign with him forever. Guys, heaven is real. The new Jerusalem is real. The messianic kingdom that is coming is real. And Mike said it this morning, hell and Gehenna and the lake of fire and eternal damnation and eternal separation is real. And there's a voice that would want to just muffle that. There's a, there's a spirit that would want to just, ah, don't, don't be bold about eternity. Guys, be bold about eternity. Just be bold. <laughs> I was at the gym the other day. A guy asked me, what are you listening to? And I just, I was like, well, um, and like this little, you know, this boldness, it wasn't meanness, but this is like, I'm going to tell him. Um, I'm listening to a sermon about how Jesus is going to come back and rule every nation of the earth, and he will send those to hell who don't know him, but you will reign forever with him in an eternal body if you do know him. That's what I'm listening to. And his, his jaw, he just went. And I, and I, I literally said, I know. <laughs> like, that's not, what you were, that's not what you were expecting to hear. He goes, no. He, the next words, tell me more. The next words out of his mouth, tell me more. And I fumbled around with the gospel, and he had questions, and I was trying to answer the questions, and two hours later, I was like, Lord, I hope that was seed being sown. Like, I really hope that was seed being sown, because, Lord, forgive me and make me a better messenger. But, no, 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 we had a really good conversation, and, um, and we're still talking and, and at the gym. But I just loved how, how just people have never heard this before. They don't know. Did you know that in our generation, through a spirit of revelation, you have answers for people? You actually have wisdom concerning how the earth was made. God made heaven and earth. People don't know that. You actually have wisdom that he has appointed one man to judge the living and the dead, gave proof to that by raising him from the dead, and there's a judge over all humanity. People don't know that. You know that. People don't know that that one judge is coming back to fill the earth with a spirit of glory and to bring reward for his servants. People don't know that. They don't know history, and they don't know the future, and you have the message of reconcilia reconciliation, and in the middle of that is the cross of Jesus Christ. In the middle of it is Jesus' death for us, cleansing us of our sin, canceling the record of debt. We're not even getting to chapter 3. I guess not. All right. 
Next week, that's right. Um, Look at this. He set aside, verse 14 again, he set this record of death aside. He nailed it to the cross. And verse 15, what did he do? He disarmed rulers and authorities. He put them to open shame. He triumphed over them at the cross. That is something to get excited about. That's not getting excited about preaching. That's getting excited about truth. Guys, for Christ and all who are joined to him, the power of darkness is disarmed. Now, for those who don't know Christ and aren't joined to him, the powers of darkness are not disarmed. The Bible's very clear about this. John chapter 3, they're under wrath. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, they're under the sway of the prince of the power of the air. But you are not under that sway. Who the Son set free is free indeed. The truth that you have embraced, that you abide in, has set you free from rulers and authorities. And now, as Christ has put them to open shame, you actually get to put them to open shame when you open your mouth, when you lay your hand on the sick, when you preach the gospel. You can put these same powers to open shame. I just, a few weeks ago, we were praying at the food bank, and I was just thinking. There's this person, and they were giving their life to the Lord, and I was just thinking, the spirits that are over this person are being put to open shame right now. Because this one is coming out of darkness into the freedom of the kingdom of the Son of God, into the freedom of the love of Jesus Christ. So know that that is who you are and walk in that. Let's walk in that today. Amen? All right. Chapter 3, verse 1. I'll only spend a, a few moments and then we'll pray. So if all of these realities are true, if you have been raised with Christ, say hallelujah. Because we all have. If you believe in Christ, you, you experience the power of his resurrection if you have been raised with Christ, then seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Let's keep going. Verse 2. And set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on the earth. Why? Verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4. And when Christ who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Everyone say amen. (laughs) So realities that are true here, you have been raised with Christ, verse 1, and verse 3, you have died with Christ. Your sin has died with Christ. You have died to sin. And your life is now hidden in a man. Your life is hidden. And what I like to think about this is, is if I want to be introduced to who Marcus Meyer really was created to be, 
I got to seek that guy. Because my entire life is hidden in him. Also, your entire future glory is hidden in him. And when he appears, the second coming, the parousia, that's what that word is, when he appears, when he comes again, you will appear with him in glory. You will be revealed in your resurrected body in glory. When he comes and manifests glory on the earth for a second time, you too will be manifested that same glory. That's what that means. That's a beautiful reality. So our life is hidden in him. We have died. We have been raised. So now we're to do things. We encounter this truth. We encounter this revelation. We, our minds are, this is revealed to us. And now we do things. We seek things. And we set our minds on things. And I love that he just says, things that are above. What are those truths that are going to be real forever? What, and if it's not going to be real forever, and if it's not around his throne, if it's not in the new Jerusalem, and if it's not in the coming kingdom of God, don't seek it. (laughs) Amen? Don't seek treasure on earth. But do good works and store treasure in heaven. Don't seek praise from men. But be about wanting to please your captain, wanting to please your general, wanting to please this one that you've been enlisted into. So I think, I think of seeking as actually like physical action. I'm doing something with my strength. Now that can be prayer and that can be other things, but I'm, I'm actually doing something. But I, also, but I think of setting my mind as those internal realities that are going on. What am I thinking about? What am I um, meditating on? What is coming into my eyes? What am I listening to that produces something in here? So there's a physical thing, but that physical, most of the time in my life, flows from the internal realities that are being formed in me. When I renew my mind in the Word of God, it is much easier to obey the command to, to go low, to be humble, to serve those around me. He's going he's gonna to say it later on. Verse 12, these are the things we're supposed to seek. These are the things we're supposed to, that's supposed to overflow from us as we set our mind on eternal realities. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, Put on compassionate hearts. Put on kindness. Put on humility. Put on meekness. Put on patience. Put on bearing with one another. Next verse. If anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. There's that forgiveness again. So you must also forgive. Verse 14. And above all, put on love. (laughs) Because if I just had to boil it down to one thing, I'll side with Jesus and go put on love. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Amen? Above all, put on love, which, is, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It's funny, thinking about this internal reality that like, helps you do external things. I was, uh, 
So Rachel, you guys know Rachel and I, we're, we, uh, we do foster care, and, and the agency that we're, that we're with, it's awesome, it's called Hope and Home, and it, but it requires ongoing education, which means uh, about every month you give two to three hours of your time to just to take in a course, and, and all these courses are how to love kids that have been through terrible things. <laughs> That's all these courses are, okay? And so, and so I am notorious for putting off all of my training until the two days, until, you know, it's like coming up on Saturday and I go, oh no, it's Thursday. And all this stuff is due on Saturday. So I'm notorious for putting it off. Rachel's way more consistent. You guys say yes, we know that about her. Um, but every time I do the training, I am so encouraged. I'm like, yes, okay. And I want to love these kids, and I want to give my heart to them, and I want to, I want to lay down my life for them. And, and every time I meditate on loving kids well, it's so much easier for me to love kids well in action. It changes your heart. It changes mind. It's the same thing with the Word of God. We renew our minds. We think about the right things. We talk to God about the right things. And then we have strength to respond with humility, <laughs> with patience, with meekness, with compassionate hearts. All right. I want to end with one verse. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. Luna, would you mind coming to, or Jonathan, if Jonathan's here? Sorry. <laughs> Whoever's on keys, you can go ahead and come up. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2 just as we close. starting at the, the, the very end of 2, and we're going to slip into chapter 3. So Paul says that your life is hidden with him, and then when he appears, you will appear in, with him in glory. This was a very uh, common idea amongst the apostles. So this was well taught throughout the New Testament. But this is kind of one of my favorite verses about this. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 28 he says, and now children, abide in him. That's really what we've been talking about this whole time. Abide in Christ. Stay united to him. Abide in him. Why? So that when he appears, when Christ returns in all of his glory, we may have confidence before him. And we will not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. Now, he's talking to believers here. He's not talking about not being saved when he talks about that shame. He's talking about live in such a way as a believer that when Jesus returns, 
you will have confidence that you followed him with all of your heart. That, that, that you did your best. The best way to phrase this is what Paul says. He goes, I, I ran the race. I reached for the prize. And he goes, this phrase, I want this phrase spoken about my life so bad. I finished the faith. I finished. I didn't give up. I didn't give in. I finished the faith. And he says, and therefore, a crown of glory awaits me. Paul talks about in another place that we can, we can still be believers, but we can waste our time. And we can have very little to show for our lives in God before him. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is what John is hitting. He's saying, guys, do the work of abiding now. Everything that means, obedience, prayer, relationship, do the work of abiding now because he is coming back. And you want to stand before him with confidence in that day. And you don't want to experience shame at his second coming. It says this in verse 29. So if you know that he is righteous, the one that is coming is righteous, you may be sure that Everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. That's what it's talking about here. Practice righteousness because the righteous one is coming. And he's going to go, did you look like me? Did you talk like me? Did you give your time to the things I told you to give your time to? Oh, and then verse 3-1 throws us into the love of God. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. Wash yourself in this truth. Born of God. Children of God. Paul says it in another place. We are, we are made to image God in the earth. We're made to represent God. The world doesn't see God. The world doesn't know God. But 1 John 4 actually says, but if you love and if you abide, they will see God in you. You can display the glory of God in this earth. What a great vision for your life. Someone goes, hey, what are you giving yourself to, to in 2024? I am trying to image God to my family. Okay. I am trying to image God in the workplace. I am his child. He has given me this gift. Oh, what manner of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. 3-1. The reason why the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. They didn't see Jesus for who he was. They crucified him. Beloved, we are God's children now. Now that's now, that's present. That's not future. Say, I'm God's child now. But there's some great future things coming. We are God's children now. We're not waiting to be God's children. But what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, again talking about that appearing, when he comes again, we know 
that we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15, in a moment you will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. The dead will rise first. If you are alive, you will be caught up and you will be like him when you see him coming on the clouds of heaven. That is hope. That's what Romans 8 says the entire world is groaning for. Our actual adoption, our completed adoption as the sons of God, the redemption of our bodies, because when that happens, the world will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea and this cycle of futility that the earth has been bound to by sin, it will break free from it. And then, well, there's a lot of details about that. And then, but life gets good. If you're in Texas, you say life's going to get good. Okay. And I love how John, he just wraps this up. Verse 3. It was everyone who thus has this hope. He just talked about hope. God's appearing. We are children of God. We have a future glory that is coming. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. He seeks the things that are above. He sets his mind on things that are above. Man, I just, I feel the Lord. I just feel his presence. Can we just stand? I'm just going to pray for you and me. <laughs> Not just for you. I'm going to pray for me too. Um, and then I'm going to invite Mike to come up and close however you want to close as well. But Lord, we just come before you. Jesus, we just ask you right now, we just pray fresh strength to seek things that are above. Fresh strength to set our minds on things that are above. Grace to find our life that is hidden in Christ. Grace to find our life that is actually in a person that is at the right hand of God that is coming again. Lord, we ask you that this would manifest in, in simple ways this week. God, we want to put, put to death that which is earthly. Lord, we want to put to death sexual immorality. We want to put to death evil desires. We want to put to death the passions of our flesh. We want to put to death covetousness. We want to put to death anger and malice. We want to put to death slander. God, we say no to those things in the name of Jesus. We are called to image you. Help us not to do anything that you would not have done on this earth. And Lord, we ask that you would give us grace to put on the new self. We ask you grace to put on compassionate hearts and kindness and meekness and humility. Lord, renew us in the image of who we were made after. Renew us in the image of the Son of God. Shape us, mold us into that image as we set our eyes on you. Transform us from glory to glory into the exact same image of the man of glory. God, release grace in this house to do this this week. Release grace all throughout Colorado 
for our sister and brother churches that we're running alongside. Release grace that when people look at us, they see God. They see Jesus. They're convicted by the Spirit. They see the love of God flowing through real people. God, we ask that we would let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. We pray that we would admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that we would abound in giving thanks. God, right now, I pray that we would be, you would grip us with that, that grip of gratitude and thanksgiving would be on our lips that would push back despair, that would push back brokenness. Lord, we ask for thanksgiving to abound in this house. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us right now. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just as we go, um, I just feel like the response is as we put on Christ, we just take the blood and the body of Christ. And so we're technically going to close the service here but what I would ask is that if, if you want prayer you can come up for prayer but before you even do that just come and, and take communion and I just ask any conversations just kind of take them outside into the, into the foyer there and, uh, and there you just may want to spend some time in a response with the Lord it's just you and Jesus however you want to respond so Lord we just thank you for your body we thank you for your blood Lord, our desire is to put off all the things of this world, but to put you on. That we become more and more like you. It's an ongoing process from glory to glory. That transformation that happens. Lord, I thank you that you are shaping us. You're forming us in your image. Yes, we are the righteousness and we're becoming the righteousness. We are holy and we're becoming holy. We're setting our hearts upon you and you're, you're shifting us, you're changing us to, to become more like you. So Lord, I just thank you that as we come to the table, we get to take of you. We get to take your body which was broken for us. Whew. We get to take the blood of Jesus which cleanses us from all unrighteousness so we bless your name we thank you Lord I, and I just just as I was just in this moment I just felt like the Lord said before you even come to the table just to, to come into that place of repentance to come before him from whatever it is I feel like if there's unforgiveness if it's someone in the room ask them for forgiveness if it's someone that's maybe even like that's not in the room, just text them before you even come and take communion and then allow the, the body and the blood of Jesus just to, to wash over you. So Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that there's nothing that we can do in our striving to bring righteousness to ourselves. It's all you, Jesus. It's all because of you. In Jesus' name.
you can come and partake and we love you and thankful for you. God bless you.